The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, and we think it's true. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh my, listen up. We're going to hark back to some old times here. The buzz. Today's computers and network security mechanisms are like the city walls, moats, and drawbridges of feudal times. These perimeter security measures were implemented to deter and block disturbances from interfering with the goings-on inside. At one point, this may have been effective, an effective way to defend against isolated attacks mounted on horseback. Once the attacker is spotted, simply raise the drawbridge to deny entrance. And I'll let you all uh, perambulate or extrapolate what we're talking about today. This, by the way, is a quote from synopsys.com, a blog on software security. So let's bring this into the modern world. Your company's software is everywhere. Mobile workforce, think about where people are using it in-house, online, in the cloud, on mobile devices. Giving your employees the information and collaborative tools they need for solid decisions and execution, that's the price you pay. But wherever they are while they're accessing your applications, in the office, on a jet plane, wherever, are your highly accessible applications highly secure? I think we know the answer to that. Our topic today, if you haven't guessed, is your application security. The perimeter has moved. Aha, drawbridges notwithstanding. Let me tell you who our panelists are. We have three experts on the topic. This will be a very interesting conversation. I don't care what business you're in, what industry, where you are anywhere in the world. This is an important topic for everyone here on the Business Channel. In just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Scott Johnson. Director of Product Management at HPE Security Fortify. The name of the company is Fortify. Joining him on the panel, Damian Suggs, Senior Application Security Architect at Saltworks Security. And we'll find out from each of them what their companies do. Rounding out the panel is a returning panelist. Hasn't been on in quite a while, way too long. It's Andreas Glugge, Director of Quality Assurance Solutions at SAP. So let's get started with the opening quote. Scott has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. Come on, everybody. You know, 1879 to 1955, German-born theoretical physicist, most popularly known for the formula of energy, mass energy equivalence, E equals mc squared, dubbed the world's most famous equation, and I think he had the most famous natural hairdo. Here's the quote Scott has selected. 
We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Scott Johnson, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Bonnie? I'm fine, thank you. We're delighted to have you and talk to me about this quote. Interesting. Cannot solve problems with the same thinking we created them. How does this relate to our topic about application security? Well, a couple of things. First, it, it really does take new ideas. And I think what, was, what stands out to me and, and Einstein and those like him understood this is that, you know, the problems that are out there, um, the thinking to resolve them really makes you get out of the box, right? You have to think differently. And when you look at today's topic in terms of the perimeter has moved, especially as it applies to AppSec and application security, you really have to, to think with that in mind. And so that quote really resonates to, to me and a lot of our customers uh, from that standpoint and that perspective. Thank you very much. V- very interesting. Um, do you think when mobile was invented, and I'm using that phrase very loosely, Scott, when mobile was invented, do you think anybody said, yeah, we're going to open up the gates, we're going to take away the moats, the drawbridges, the, the, uh, the armed guards or whatever, the bayonets or, or whatever we're throwing, uh, you know, with cannons, and we're just going to let everybody enjoy it, and everybody will be really honest and cool about it, and nobody will want to infiltrate any software, nobody will want to steal anything proprietary. It'll just be really cool. We'll all be so excited to be part of this new collaborative culture. Do you think that was the naivete that happened at that moment in time? Yeah, and I think that continues because when you look at, at innovation today and the notion of security, um, too often security is, has not historically built, um, been built into that. I mean, if you look at, if you look at developers, right, um, developers in terms of their training in college, um, security is, is for a lot of um, universities not even a required set of courses. So I, I think that is the I think that is the case today, uh, but we do see some of that changing as security really has to be embedded into uh, into the new innovations that are happening, whether it's mobile or or what comes next. Thank you very much, Scott. Good reality check. And now let's move on to our second panelist, Damian Suggs at SaltWorks. And Damian has sent us a quote. Oh, this is a first time we have a quote from a character in the movie Gattaca. Vincent Freeman is the character. Let me fill you all in. Ethan Hawke played Vincent Freeman. The movie is from 1997. Refreshing everybody's memory, if you do remember it. I have never heard of it before. Gattaca, G-A-T-T-A-C-A, is a 1997 American sci-fi film written and directed by Andrew Nichol, starring Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, with Jude Law, Ernest Borgnine, Gore Vidal, and Alan Arkin in supporting roles. And the film presents a biopunk, Damien, that's a new word to me, biopunk vision of a future society driven by eugenics, where potential children are conceived through genetic manipulation, doesn't sound that far-fetched, to ensure they possess the best hereditary traits of their parents. I think there was an article about genetic uh, manipulation in the Times this week. The film centers on Vincent Freeman, played by Ethan Hawke, who was conceived outside the eugenics program and struggles to overcome genetic discrimination to realize his dream of traveling into space. The title, Gattaca, is a combination of the letters G-A-T-C, which stand for guanine, adenine, thymine, and cytosine, the four nucleobases of DNA. Probably more than you ever wanted to know. Here's the quote Damien selected. You want to know how I did it? This is how I did it, Anton. I never saved anything for the swim back. 
Damien Suggs, welcome and help me out. What in the world is this all about? Well, it's a couple of a couple of spins on it. I mean, I use that from day to day for um, from going to the gym. You know, I kind of use that as a mantra to keep working out, to keep pushing myself uh, to work when I pick up a project. But really, uh, I think about the quote as a whole and how it resonates in with what I do. And I think that the president is throwing so much at us as security experts that we have to just keep going forward and we have to not say anything to swim back. Uh, especially when it comes to defending our networks, our applications. We have to keep making sure that we're doing everything we can, that our application security is in place, that uh, we're trying to stay one step ahead of the curve of where we, where we stand, making sure that we're on top of technology and on top of everything we can do to safeguard that. Damien, thank you. Do you think that it's a moving target, a removable feast, where that perimeter is is moving in sneaky ways in places that developers and security people never dreamed that they would have to go and prevent the wrong people from prying eyes, uh, sticky fingers, whatever you want to call it? Do you think that it, is it ever going to be solved? Well, as long as we stay on top of it and try to keep keep in the know of what's happening, I think uh, you know, Kevin hit a really good point uh, as far as you know, companies are trying to make money. That's what they're there for, is to make a profit. So the best way to make a profit is to make things easier for people. Make things easier for people, you have to come out with, with products that are more convenient, um, and that's going to make our job harder. So as long as we stay on top of what's being produced, especially mm-hmm. by folks right out of college who are just trying to get a job and trying to write code as quick as they can. Um, as long as we as security experts stay on top of that, you know, we, we have a fighting chance, but it is a moving target. It is a, a beast we have to get our, our hands around. Thank you very much. Beast going back to feudal days. I like that. Thank you very much, Damien. Pleasure to have you on. And now let's welcome our third panelist, returning guest, Andreas Gluga from Quality Assurance Solutions at SAP. And Andreas, shocked and amazed, we have another quote from Albert Einstein, one from Scott and one from you. Rarely happens that we get two quotes from the same person in history on the same show. And actually, Einstein is so popular these days. I have at least two Einstein quotes a week on our radio show. So here goes the one that Andreas has selected. Security is like adding brakes to cars. The purpose of brakes is not to stop you. It's to enable you to go fast. I like that. It sounds like a, a little bit of a puzzle there inside out. Andreas, how have you been? Welcome back. Good. Excellent. Uh, thanks for having me again. We're delighted. Talk to me about this quote. I'm fascinated. So I, I very much like this, this, this quote. Uh, first of all, I mean, I like cars, but you know, more of, this is really something which very much fits into what all of us are doing around uh, the overall aspect of security. Uh, we always have to keep in mind that companies are not running their business and thinking about security all the time. Security is something they have to do, and they realize with regulations being out there in the marketplace, they realize they have to do something there. But it's not really something which is driving them forward. Uh, when we talk about things like IoT, for example, Internet of Things, uh, everybody talks about, yeah, this, this is, and this is by the way also one of the things which is changing uh, with regards to IoT compared to mobile. Now people are talking about security, but it cannot be something which is slowing us down. Um, and I think this is one important point we really have to understand. Whatever we talk, whatever we want to do about our security, it has to be something which comes into naturally 
into what the different groups in an organization are doing. But they need to have the right people, process technologies in place to do all this. Uh, but it needs to be something which is, um, yeah, naturally comes as an addition, not as a big stepping stone. Oh, now we need to check the security of this application and it will now slow us down. That's not going to work. So it's really something which, yeah, the brakes are there for us in the car to, to use them when we need them. Um, but in reality, we don't want to use the brakes. We want to just get going and, and drive. Uh, and that's, I, I think this quote really very much fits the subject. I think it did, too. Absolutely. Uh, interestingly enough, about an hour ago, I was on air with our series called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Very interesting. And we were talking about driverless vehicles, a.k.a. teleoperations, a.k.a. autonomous long-haul trucks and taxis. And the question came up of who has control. Talking about brakes, um, Andreas, who has control? Who will have more control in questions of road rage? Autonomous vehicles versus human-operated cars on the same roads and highways. Will we have the driverless zone versus the human driver zone? Interesting, interesting. So brakes may certainly come into uh, come into play here. Thank you very much, and nice to have you back on the show. Scott Johnson, I'm going to circle around to you, and I have three questions for you. Number one is, where in the world are you calling from? Number two is, what's in your cup today? Meaning, what do you have that's wonderful and fun to drink? If not, what would you rather be drinking? And number three, tell us a little bit, give us a 60-second overview of what is HPE Fortify. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, sure. Thanks again, Bonnie. So I am uh, Mm -hmm. based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, A good part of our Fortify team is located here as well as in Sunnyvale and uh, distributed across the globe. Um, In terms of my my favorite drink, so uh, I like to do the do, so diet Mm -hmm. do. Uh, all the fizz and taste, but uh, no sugar and lots of kick. So it, uh, it can help you with your day. And uh, I know uh, Damien mentioned working out. It's a, it's a good drink to, to have right before you uh, go hit the gym as well. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my drink of choice. Um, and right now we are actually out of it in our office. So we are going to be getting some more tomorrow. <laughs> um, yes, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, just a brief overview on HP Fortify. So we are uh, one of the leading application security uh, companies in the world covering dynamic, uh, static, uh, RASP, IAST uh, types of security coverage when it comes to assessing code, uh, the, the source code, as well as your web applications. Uh, we've been uh, in the business uh, really since kind of the founding of the space. And as we have witnessed and seen the evolution uh, that really ties us into what this discussion and what this topic is today. Um, We also um, uh, emphasize the ability to help ensure that um, our customers are able to keep up with the latest trends in terms of languages and tools and the rest of the, the security ecosystem that is evolving today. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on, Scott. And now let's turn to Damien Suggs. Damien, I have the same three questions for you. Maybe not in the same order. Where are you calling from? What are you drinking? What would you rather be drinking? And tell us what SaltWorks Security is all about. Damien Suggs. Okay, well, I'm uh, originally from Atlanta. Uh, right now I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee, though, uh, which is, leads to what I'm drinking is a lavender latte from a local haunt. Um Ooh. 
great breakfast location right down the road. But what I would rather be drinking is a samurai chai from Tivana, which is going out of business. I'm upset. Oh, they are? Really? Well, yeah, they're they're closing the shops, but... Didn't know know that. And you're drinking the lavender, what was it, the lavender... It's a lavender latte. Oh, okay. What is that? you got to tell me. Sounds very intriguing. Just a a latte. They they add some lavender lavender flavoring to it. It's uh, just really good. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And tell me, what does Saltworks Security do? What do you do? Well, we're we're a big partner with SAP and HPE, and we fit really nicely in with with both companies. Because what we do is we work on the processes, uh, the technology, the people. We like working with tools from HPE and from SAP, but um, we focus more on getting the the program in place. And we have a little bit of a backdrop as I started my career in penetration testing, and the problem I saw after a few years was it didn't matter how good you were as a pen tester, the problems just weren't getting solved in companies. The the issues were not being remediated. You could do another pen test a year later and see the same problems over and over again. So I've got to see there was a breakdown between developers, uh, between security engineers and developers. So I changed my, I guess, my career, my my roadmap to look more at the processes in place. And that's when I uh, joined like-minded folks at SaltWorks who work on the same thing and just make sure that uh, that there's a firm SSDLC in place, that uh, applications are being developed securely, and that people know how to use the technologies that they have, and they're getting the best results, and the processes, people, and technology all fit in one happy bucket. My goodness. Thank you very much. Uh, interesting path you've taken. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And now let's turn to Andreas Glug. Andreas, I know what you do at SAP, so why don't you tell us where you're calling from and what's in your cup today or what do you prefer? Andreas? So, yeah, I'm, I'm originally based in the Bay Area, uh, basically also out of our Palo Alto office, but today I'm calling from close by uh, Boston, Massachusetts, all the way mm. uh, on the East Coast. Um, and so my, I would love to have a, you know, buttery, um, white wine right now. This would be really nice, but it's a little bit too early for this one. So, um, uh, I'm just here with a, uh, boring, um, water, bottle of water, uh, because that's really what's what I need to have right now. Um, yeah, so water, uh, but I would prefer some, some white wine. This is uh, buttery white wine, which I would like right now. That's what we wanted to know. What would you rather be drinking? When you say buttery, it, it evokes uh, to me a very viscous kind of wine, something that kind of swirls around the glass and you can see it and taste it. Are you talking Chardonnay? Are you talking Riesling? What was your what would your preference be? No, Chardonnay. no, definitely not. Funny enough, I mean, I'm from Germany. There are a lot of good Rieslings in, in, in Germany, but Riesling is not my kind of thing. Uh, Chardonnay, this would be uh, the right one right now. I'll join you. Not right now, though. I'm in New York. And I am drinking water, and it's uh, the only thing, Andreas, you may remember this, and Scott and Damien, I'll clue you in, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And this is my second live show. I had one at 10 o'clock, and it's a little afternoon here in New York. So this is, uh, we're packed with live radio today. So cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw, because I'm hoping the sun will come out. We had rain 
constantly yesterday. It did not stop from morning till night. It just rained all day. It's bright outside, but we're still waiting for that sun to peek through. So that's why the pink straw, but only water for me. We have a very interesting topic today, as I said in the opening, important to everybody in any company around the world. We're talking about your application security. Your, I mean you out there. The perimeter has moved. Drawbridges and wild horses and cannons will not stop that perimeter. The question is, what kind of security can your developers build in? Is it too late? Has the horse gotten out of the barn? And is the software out of the barn? It's on mobile devices. It's everywhere on planes and trains and boats and anywhere your staff, your consultants, your contingent workforce are using it. What are you going to do about it? We're talking to Scott Johnson at HPE Fortified, Damian Suggs at Saltworks Security, and Andreas Gloga at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Scott is going to start the roundtable with me. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise 90 seconds. Here we go. Kevin out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. Yes, indeed, we're back, and the topic is your application security. The perimeter has moved. I hope this isn't breaking news to our listeners, but we're doing a reality check here today. Our panel includes Scott Johnson at HPE Fortified, Damian Suggs at Saltworks Security, and Andreas Gluga at SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Scott told me the following in his notes before the show, and this is where we'll start our roundtable. He says, as software becomes core to every business, And as cloud-based software services surge in popularity, companies are developing and updating their applications faster than ever before. Scott Johnson, why don't you tell us more, please? Yeah, sure, Bonnie. Um, When you look at kind of the evolution that uh, you have in the the, 
um, in the marketplace, right, with, with companies, um, it's amazing how today almost every company in some form or another is a software company. Um, what are today's banks, financial institutions? More and more they're becoming software companies in terms of the things, in terms of how they interact with their customers, the applications they're providing with their customers, to their customers. Um, one of our customers, for example, uh, shared with us that they have over 3,000 developers within their organization. So just imagine that. It's a bank, right? When you go to the bank, you don't typically, right, the average person doesn't think about that bank as a software company, right? You go there to get your money, manage your funds. But that's why it's so important in terms of what we're offering, what we're doing in terms of the space uh, uh, to help ensure that the applications that each of those quote-unquote software companies is now delivering to their customers. And um, to tie it in with, you know, cloud apps and phones and, you know, all the different mobile devices, just that explosion of applications um, and because so many of them are web-based, it means they get updated frequently, um, in some cases every day. And what that means then is that you have a much shorter development cycle and you're pushing your releases out, your products out, the software out to, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of customers. So what you have to do then is ensure that security is part of that process. So that continuous delivery really means that in releasing your software, trying to deliver those features to your customers, it really becomes a key aspect of that workflow that security, application security, is part of it. And that's, again, where the network, right, the network perimeter um, is no longer viable. It only helps with some of the security issues that are, that, that are out there today, but not really the genesis of where so many of today's vulnerabilities um, start and ultimately are the ones that are exploited uh, by the hackers in the wild. In the wild. Can you define that before we move on and I get Damien and Andreas in on this? In the wild, where is it? So the wild is the, um, the guy or lady that's in their grandmother's basement in Eastern Europe or on an island somewhere uh, <laughs> where there's, there's really no rules, no controls, and um, really focused on not necessarily even making money, but how they can disrupt and cause uh, 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 challenges for those organizations like a bank or like a retailer, for example. It's the Wild West in some cases, unfortunately. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We started out with feudal, and now we're into the Wild West. I think we're progressing through the stages of civilization here. <laughs> Damien Suggs loves to get your thoughts on what Scott Johnson at Fortify just shared. Go ahead, Damien. Oh, first of all, I want to apologize, Scott. I have a good friend named Kevin Johnson. I think at the outset of the show, I had a Freudian slip and called you Kevin. But I did, and I was wondering. I said to my engineer, who is Kevin? Because the yeah, engineer my, is Kevin. I thought you were talking to him. Go, go no, ahead, Damien. No, my mistake. All's, I apologize. All's forgiven. Go ahead. But um, no, I think those are some very good points that you brought out. And there was one study I read uh, a while back. It's a little dated, but I thought it was really enlightening. Was as we all know that the most hackers come out of of Eastern Europe, uh, that block, that section. And the article went on to say is that um, the the problem really stems from a lack of employment for people in the workforce between the ages of, I guess, it's something like. Um, 
19 and 33, so you have this big section that's unemployed uh, in Western Europe, and they have nothing better to do with their time, so they just get into computers. They don't have a lot of money, so they get an open source, and they get very good at what they're doing uh, and tinkering around, and they out of, out of uh, that area, you get a lot of young people with time on their hands that know computers very well that do nothing more a lot of times than just create exploits and uh, sell those to the highest bidder. So Damien, isn't there reality. also peer pressure? Isn't it also seen like, uh, I'm going to uh, hark back to something that happens here a lot in the news recently, uh, gang initiations. Isn't that that peer mentality? Is that, gee, you know, how fast can you code this? How much can you hack? How much can you steal? Isn't there that, that uh, what is it, no honor among thieves or uh, strange bedfellows, one of those terrible old old saws, if you will, is that part of this mentality is out of work, clever, fast, nothing to do, and wants to show off, you think? Absolutely. No, I think that's a, that's a great point that, you know, you have these folks that are, um, like I said, unemployed, knowledgeable, smart. They create the hacks, and a lot of times they don't use them for malicious purposes. They'll make them available, and then somebody who wants to chime in a little bit of, um, you know, they, they, they create their hacks or their exploits to gain notoriety in the field, but then they pass them off, they make them available, and then you have what you know, call script kitties come in and actually use them. Um, so, yeah, those are good points. Yeah, and you know the, the, the CSI franchise on TV had a CSI, uh, what was it, um, Cyber CSI, and uh, it lasted one season, and it was fascinating. They hired black hats to become white hats working for the FBI and the CIA. And the things they showed on these, these screens, you know, the, the glass walls where you can bring up all kinds of uh, computer printouts, I'm going to say, bring up screens and write on them. It was fascinating how they went into the dark web and found the perpetrators and exactly what we're talking about here. Very interesting. I was sorry to see it go because I thought it was a good way to educate the public on, and, and people were writing, no, this is all out of date and this isn't current, this isn't really how it all works, but it was still an eye-opener for anybody who didn't wasn't aware or didn't believe that this was all happening in the background it is thank you damien andreas you've been so patient talk to us what do you think about scott's topic and damien's comments so definitely some some good comments but i I somehow have to i'm not sure that the uh, unemployed um people are really the the real big threat i think there's uh, a lot of people for them you know, doing these cyber attacks, it's a real business. Uh, I mean, the ah. former FBI director had this comment. He said that it takes more than 200 days for companies to find out that they are getting attacked right now. And what this means is, and he was, I think it was talking about 259 days. And I was just, I was really talking about days because this is, this is nearly a year. Or it feels like, it feels like nearly, nearly, nearly a year. So the hackers... They do this not just for fun, not just to interrupt. For them, this is also a real business. We look at the value of a credit card uh, number with an expiration date. Um, and there is different values depending how old this credit card is. Uh, there's real value on the black market uh, out there. And this is something where the hackers are after. Many of them are, this is a real business. And I really want to say they're working eight to five. Because they have more than 200 days until somebody will find out this is a little bit exaggeration, but they basically um, have a lot of time to get into organizations 
And if it's, you know, releasing the latest Games of Thrones uh, season, which just happened a few days ago, uh, they have the time to do all this. Um, and so organizations really need to look for what are the different ways for me to protect the sensitive data we have. And there are different technologies. Uh, threat assessment is one of them because organizations might otherwise say, this is brought too much. I, I cannot do security testing for everything. I, someone needs to start with threat assessment really find out what is the risk behind those different systems and applications we are running. What is the kind of data we have in there? Um, so it's a, that's a big conversation. You know, what is the right approach for organizations? Uh, technology is just one aspect uh, of this, but I think the point I want to make, there's real money for hackers in those cyber attacks. Um, and that's the reason they're doing this. Um, Thank you, Andreas. Talk, no, that's a great reality check. Let's quickly go around the table, agree or disagree in, in the, the, the board, the hacking for fun, for peer pressure, the hacking for business, big business. Scott, uh, agree or disagree? Let's go with what Andrea said and what Damien and I were saying. Where do you sit on this fence? Which side, Dame, uh, Scott Johnson? Well, having, having been in security for 15 years, I, I see it on both fronts. There is certainly um, the... the um, "Quote unquote," the social cachet in the mm-hmm. um, in the industry, let's say the hacking industry, that if you were the one or the ones that were able to um, infiltrate and hack uh, um, uh, HBO to get Game of Thrones or or anything else, something like that, or what happened yes. with Sony, um, yes. you're a rock star, right? You're suddenly yep. Axel Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's that aspect of it, and then there, but there also is, as Andreas mentioned, the monetization is also a big piece of that too. So, you know, when you look at a number of the types of threats that we don't even hear of, it is because they try to go stealth, right? We use lateral movements, lateral types of vulnerabilities within the network, and then just sit there and use that, uh, that exploit uh, for monetary gain over a period of time. So, um, I, I, I do know there were some studies that um, Andreas kind of alluded to that you know says that the the average exploit or vulnerability within the network sits there for 200 and some days before it is actually remediated. That's a lot of time to uh, mm-hmm. to exfiltrate data and um, and hold people for ransom and make money. Thank you very much, Scott. Very interesting conversation. Uh, I think we've covered all the bases on that one. Damien Suggs, I'm looking at your notes. Let's bring this back into the real world of what's happening in companies with these vulnerabilities. You say it's important to create a synergetic environment between IT security and application developers. Why? To proactively tackle application security defects. So the implication, Damien, is that somebody left a door open, somebody left a window open in the security of the application in the first place. So why don't you tell us more about this synergetic environment? Is it possible, impossible? How hard is it? What kind of cultural change management do you need to get those two segments of a company to talk to each other? Damien, a lot to talk about. Go ahead. Well, not only is it possible, I believe it's absolutely necessary. Uh, if you go back to one of the original opening comments from Einstein is that security isn't meant to stop a car but to make it go faster. I mean, that's, that's a prime example. You have to have developers and security working together and understand that they're on the same team. They're on the same side. They have the same goals. 
they just need to reconcile that. Long gone needs to be the days, if they're not already, that security is the hammer in the room and just uh, the no man to shut everyone else down. You know, it needs to be a synergetic relationship where uh, security may recognize a finding of vulnerability that needs to be addressed and then work it through the development process to make sure that it's remediated, taken care of, retested, and that, that door is shut and not, you know, developers only feel threatened by security, you know, digging around in their space, in their code, and security needs to have that open-door relationship where they can say, hey, you know, we, where we found this for the sake of the company we need to work on getting these taken care of now. Very interesting. How hard is it to get that conversation started, Damien? We talk often about silos. We talk about IT. What is their role? Are they just creating stuff? Are they helping to drive the business? Is there a business case sitting in the IT part? Uh, application developers, are they more of an ivory, ivory tower? Oh, look at us. We're brilliant. We're making new apps. Uh, how do you get these two groups to talk to each other? Once you, you tell us more about that, we will bring in Andreas and uh, Scott. So go ahead, Damien. What do you think? You really have to start off on a, on a good foot. You have to, from the get-go, make make it clear to the developers you're on their side. I mean, I've been been in this space. I've been working with developers for almost 20 years now, and I've seen the, the personalities flare. Um, you know, a lot of times you're walking into a situation where you're looking at a, a code that was written for a company and the development team responsible for that code. You're in, in effect, you can very easily be calling their baby ugly. So... You have to do it with kid gloves. You have to make them realize you're not there to beat them over the head. I mean, that's kind of going back when I was looking at different products for software um, source code assessments, for example. The one thing that stood out to me with HPE's products was that, uh, and I'm not trying to sell HPE products, but they... They, they take that vantage point and that they, they present it from the developer's point of view and make it comfortable for the developers to get in, see the problems they have with their applications and get it fixed. And I think that that's, that's key. You can't be just a, a section that's going to go up against developers, expose their dirty laundry, make them feel bad about it and say, you go fix this or you can't produce code, you know, work. Find a remediation plan, not to get a fixed yesterday attitude unless it's a critical, we have to get this done, or there, there was a breach, for example. Uh, that's a different story altogether. But work with the development teams to find a reasonable remediation plan for findings. Thank you very much. I hear hope in them, Thar Hills. Thank you. Andreas, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree with Damien? I, I agree, Zanon, and I, I like this comment about uh, calling the baby ugly. Um, that's, I've heard this, this many times. And I always talk basically about the situation where if you think about a developer, they're basically um, somehow feel, feel threatened by this. And, and I always talk about, you know, I studied computer science too many years ago. Nobody talked about uh, security at this time. I, I you know, talked with uh, students just last year in Germany about um, you know, what kind of security courses do you have? Um, and at the university studying right now computer science. And they were just looking at each other, just shrugging their shoulders, and there was really nothing. So we need to be clear, the experts who we as a society train to basically, you know, do all the innovation, the young people who are basically building the startups, in many cases they are not educated on what does security really mean? Um, that's where we need to have this collaboration between 
the security specialists, the IT security people, and the developers. Because someone, they need to work together and they need to, they have the same boat at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they need to deliver value to their customers. If it's internal customers, if it's external customers like you and me, um, at the end, they all, you know, in the same boat and need to have the same result, which means provide functionalities, provide capabilities, provide innovation uh, to their user base, but do it in a way which makes it secure. And that's really where uh, I think there's a lot of uh, synergy is really needed. Um, and it, it's not about blaming anybody uh, because nobody was trained. Yeah? Nobody was giving yeah. any help to, to be successful there. Very good points all. Thank you. Scott, love to get your thoughts. Very lively conversation going. Scott Johnson. Yeah, so just to tie in with what Andreas mentioned, and uh, we did a a study research report last year called the HP State of Security DevOps Report. And one of the interesting findings we had or we found was that um, only one in nine of the universities that we looked at uh, included security training as part of uh, the curriculum and required coursework uh, for mm. computer, um, computer engineering degrees. And, uh, you know, that, that has to change. So the education aspect of things in that respect has to change. Uh, we, we actually um, work a lot with Georgia Tech here in Atlanta, and so we, we are seeing some of that movement. Um, so that's one, one aspect Another um, is the training, right? When you look at, um, you know, not everyone's in college anymore, right? So most folks are working. And so how do you help them? Well, build training into their, um, their job requirements, right? Into their um, uh, goals for their year or for their quarter, that they need to take certain training that's tied and related to their job. And then the third part, and this ties in with, with Damien, and that really centers around kind of the cultural change where you look at uh, security defects as a defect, right? It isn't those guys over there that needs to resolve this, quote-unquote, air quotes, you can't see them. Um, it's the team, right? And really bring the team together. So with your scrums, as you look at your agile processes or your agile process, the scrum should include the developers, QA, um, AppSec representation. Make it a team so that it isn't those guys, quote-unquote, that are slowing me down. It's actually we're part of a team, and we've got code to release. Let's make it as secure as possible and treat um, critical vulnerabilities as a security defect. Thank you very much, uh- Damien, you started this. Very interesting comments. Anything you want to wrap up? I'm, I'm glad you did. We're, we are expanding the topic significantly now, not just the perimeter of move, but what do we do about it? Do we start with the basics of education and awareness, getting IT security and your dev apps people to, or dev application developer people to actually talk to each other, respect each other, play nice in the sandbox? Damien, anything you want to add? I think that's a, that's a good point with having a scrum team that has makeup of AppSec developers QA all together. Another aspect that's, that's proven proving successful is to have a security liaison on the development team. You have one person that is um, I'm trying to think of the word for it is uh, liaison is all I can. It's coming. Um, I almost came but went. But someone who is championing championing the cause of security 
for that team, for that development group, someone that's kind of keeping a keener eye out perhaps for security defects than the other developers. So they're the ones you directly uh, relate to or converse with on a regular basis as a security person to that liaison on the development team. And also you have that person on the security engineer team that's constantly making sure they're part of maybe once a month stand-up meetings to bring to the table, you know, hey, you know, we found these security defects um, last month. Are they still being worked on? Are they still on schedule to be remediated uh, next uh, on the next uh, sprint, uh, et cetera, but not, again, back to, the, back to the point, not in a confrontational way, but in a way that really shows that everyone's on the same page, all working toward the same goals. Thank you very much. It's I'm going to pose this, a question. Can I just yeah, add, go, add one comment here? Because yes. we spend a lot of time talking about you know, education, and this is obviously one important aspect. Um, but I'm somewhat going back to this, this old idea about it's people process technology. Uh, we talk about people, they need to have the right um, you know, education. They need to be you know, not confrontational. That's all important. We need to have the process. Okay, at which point do we do basically security, when do we do security, but you also need to have technology because the hackers out there, the guys mm-hmm. in the basement, they come up with new ideas every day, and we need to have automation in place to help us be more efficient. If we think about in 20 years, we will still be in the same race, just running after the hackers. We're doing something wrong. We need to have technologies in place. We, you know, we talk about things like artificial intelligence. Uh, these are basically also where security technology needs to go to, uh, where we basically technology, which is also more advanced and really going to directions which I need to want to say do some guessing, uh, do some you know, artificial intelligence work around how can we prevent the next attack, the next type of finding, uh, the next type of security vulnerabilities. How can we attack this ahead of time so we're not always running behind? But technology is an important aspect because we cannot do it all manually. Uh, we need to have technology in place to help us with this. Andreas, you jumped in just as I was about to say that. How do we stay ahead of the hackers? They are doing this full-time. I don't care whose basement they're in and how mm-hmm. much acne they have if they're pimply teenagers in Siberia <laughs> somewhere. It doesn't matter. This is their goal. This is their occupation, their avocation. They do it either it's a game, it's a business, it's peer pressure. We've covered all the bases. How do the people who are creating the software that has the gaps or that doesn't have it, any defects. It doesn't have it, but they find a way. I want to make sure we get uh, Scott and Damien to chime in on what Andreas just brought up before I move. Let's see, we have a little bit of time left. Scott, any comments on this urgency that uh, Andreas has brought to our attention? Yeah, two, two things I'd like to add to that. I think uh, a really good point is from an automation standpoint, wherever possible, um, you have to automate the ability to enable automation earlier in the cycle, whether it's from a dev standpoint, using the different tools from a build server integration standpoint, that's a real key. Um, the other, another key that Andreas mentioned centered around things like machine learning. So the ability to identify false positives, to automatically remove those from, your, uh, from the work queues is a real key value as we move forward because you're right, it is a game of cat and mouse and you just can't merely mm-hmm. keep up. 
you really have to look at different innovations. And those are really two key things that can really help customers and that uh, a lot of organizations like ours are starting to uh, have been and are starting to evolve more. Thank you very much. Uh, Damien, thoughts on what Andreas brought up? I want to make a point on automation. I think automation, yes, it is key and is something necessary, but not at the sake of watering down or not taking the time to validate the security defects. If you, as a security engineer or security expert, go in, find defects, and you don't do your due diligence of are figuring out are they real issues, are they real defects, or are they false positives, and really bringing to the table how this particular defect can affect their, the business, uh, you're going to lose a lot of credibility with developers. And you know, sooner or later, they'll just turn a deaf ear, especially if you just run a tool and just chunk over a wall uh, a bunch of findings and a bunch of heavy, heavy reports and say, go fix this. You know, that's automation, but it will kill the security, uh, the application security program in a heartbeat. Thank you very much. A lot of reality checks here. I sense we're only scratching the surface or barely here. We're just about at the time for our crystal ball predictions round. But, Andreas, I have one item here in your list. I'd like you to spend 60 seconds telling us about it. You talk about cybersecurity for internal-only applications. Andreas, give me a 60-second overview. What is this about, please? I mean, the, the point is a lot of customers today are looking around security for their applications, and they're very much focused on external-facing applications. Because, yes, this goes back to the point that uh, those applications are very easily accessible for a hacker. They don't need to worry about network security. Uh, but we need to be clear that, the and this, again, and, uh, I think it was a research from the uh, U.S. Department of, of Cybersecurity, uh, they basically looked and said that, you know, about 50% of all attacks are happening internally. And sometimes it's, attack always sounds so negative. Yes, I mean, we talk about the perimeter has moved, which means the network security is all nice, but the internal application has much more sensitive data. <coughs> That's also where the damage to an attack is much bigger, because this is where I really have the social security information for my employees, for example, and yeah, my trade secrets are in my internal application. They are not in my external facing application. Um, and in today's time when we also have a lot of, you know, this innovation doesn't happen in this one, you know, bunker where everybody is in and, and nobody goes out. No, we basically have environments where people from outside are coming in and helping organizations to bring out this innovation. A lot of change are happening in an organization with a different kind of people happening. Uh, being part of those projects, we need to be clear that those internal applications are at much higher risk than um, or, or the, the damage to if there is an attack is much bigger than for the external application. Thank you very much, Andreas. No time to go around the panel because we are already well into our crystal ball predictions round. So, Mr. Scott Johnson at HPE Fortify, I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds. Love to hear your thoughts. Let's look toward 2020, but anytime before or after is just fine with me. What will change about this topic if we met again, Scott Johnson? 60 seconds, they're all yours. Well, I think what will change is it'll, it'll keep going deeper. So, if you look at the, the perimeter, right, we went from the network we went to the devices, um, you know, mobile devices and tablets um, into the data and the applications. 
it's, it's going to keep driving lower into the stack from that standpoint. And when you look at the code, right, the ability to identify issues in the code, I, I'm, my view from a product management standpoint is we have to continue to evolve how we provide intelligence there earlier in the process for the developers, the people that are writing it, uh, writing the code, so that we can help identify those issues as quickly as possible without the noise, without the, you know, you're not allowing me to do my job concerns that developers have when you introduce new capabilities. Thank you very much, Scott. Damien Suggs, I have the same 60 seconds for you. It's all yours. I think there's two points that we haven't addressed during this conversation that are really going to drive the the market for application security are auditors and customers. Customers, as they become more savvy of the issues out there and they see news reports, they're requiring their vendors to provide proof that they're going through rigorous security reviews of their applications that they're buying from them. Uh, and auditors are getting, becoming more savvy, and they don't care whether it's an internal or external facing applications a lot of times. They just say, you, if we're buying this application from you and it's housing, holding, holding my sensitive data, I want assurance that it's secure. Wow, very interesting. That is another, I won't say wrinkle, but I just said it, another, another aspect. Are, they're not asking, they're demanding proof. I'm, I'm putting this into a tweet. Thank you very much, Damien. And Andreas, oh my, Andreas, I saved a whole 90 seconds for you because they were so concise. So you can thank Scott and Damien for giving you a little extra time. Andreas, go ahead. Thanks <laughs> look. Um, yeah, so I think we need to be clear. Innovation was the move on. Um, the things around IoT, machine learning, artificial intelligence, those things will happen on the marketplace and they all require security because Attacks will go on because people are successful. If it's with ransomware, if it's with direct attacks on application, uh, those technologies are working for the uh, hackers, and therefore everybody needs to do something about this. But looking forward, when we see this already happening, uh, specifically when we look at Europe, for example, more and more regulations will come from the government because the governments are will feel forced to basically put in those regulations to make sure that companies are protecting their users' data, their customers, their internal customers, their external customers. Regulations around this will come if we like it or not. Um, and every company needs to somehow think about which regulation is important for them. So I don't think it will go away. I think it will get bigger and bigger, but it will also be something more and more into the normal life of IT organizations which is still not there really today. But I think in the future, if we look at two, three, four, five years down the road, it will be something everybody in IT will talk about and will do something about. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Very interesting conversations. We've been speaking with Scott Johnson at HPE Fortify, Damian Suggs at Saltworks Security, Andreas Gluga at SAP. I have to do a shout-out to all of our tweeters, Alicia Rudolph. Thank you so much, Cindy Morell, as well. Really appreciate it. We had somebody named Digital Period tweeting for us. We had, uh, let's see, Digital 
A-Y-R-R, Ayrshire, A-Y-R-S-H-R, Ayrshire. Thank you very much. Maybe from the UK. We had somebody named Ginger Cat. Uh, here we are, Ginger Cat Games, whoever you are. Really cute logo for your, your shot here on Twitter. Appreciate all of that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been a very interesting conversation. We'll be back tomorrow with a very interesting episode, brand new topic on our live Coffee Break with Game Changers show, 11 a.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel, talking about sci-fi. Is science fiction a window into what our future may really be like? You don't want to miss this one. We have Brenda J. Cooper, a sci-fi writer who's won a lot of awards. We have one of our favorite futurists, Gray Scott, based in Manhattan, and we have Dan Wellers, one of my teammates at SAP. So here's my shout-out and my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer, just like Scott Johnson, just like Damian Suggs, and just like Andreas Gluga. Talk to you tomorrow right here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bonnie D. Graham signing off, and thank you to Kevin, our engineer. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.